calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. He's wild. He's sweet. He'll shred your couch on a whim, then come crawling back to you, purring happily at your feet. His behavior may be erratic, but he's still the world's best cat who deserves nothing less than world's best cat litter. The number one natural and sustainable litter brand with no harmful chemicals or silica dust. Trade your clay today. Get world's best cat litter for the world's best cat. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new spoiler review episode for the Bad Batch episode five here from the Geek Buddies and Laura Kelly. (gasps) Thank you all so much for clicking play on this video or clicking play on the podcast feed there to listen to this episode. (laughs) You're clicking the podcast feed and the singing. It's bad, ladies and gentlemen. I'm hanging on by a thread here today. Um, but yeah, we're going to jump into Season 2, Episode 5, Entombed, here directed by Nathaniel Villanueva and written by Jennifer Corbett and Dave Filoni. Interesting stuff in this episode. We're going to give our overall thoughts on it. We're to keep it a little bit light, have some fun, breaking this thing down. Little Raiders, little Uncharted, uh, little treasure hunting, little Goonies maybe even thrown in there. A lot was evoked in this episode, and we're going to break it all down here on the Geek Buddies. Uh, but first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor. When you're, you're oh, I get, get, it's getting infected with the Johnness right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be able to see me next month on the season premiere of Party Down Season 3. Hey, oh. And joining us, the co-host of Force Toes Pod and the co-host, the co-host of the Jedi Way, an hour absolute joy to welcome her back to show to review this episode. The great Laura Kelly. How are you, Laura? I'm amazing. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you again for having me back, you guys. I'm excited to dive into this one. 
Laura, we're weeks away from Star Wars Celebration. Where's your anticipation level right now? Oh, it's not it's not up there yet. It's like okay. that's too far away. It's still too far away to think about. And I think the reason I don't want to think about it yet is because expensive. Um, <laughs> so once we get closer, I'll, I think I'll get excited. But for now, I'm just kind of like, oh, God. <laughs> just looking at it all going away i'm jealous right. I'm, I'm jealous i'm jealous of you yep. guys okay. yeah i'm a little jealous I'm sure little you jealous. could fly I... to london and hang out with us if you wanted to i'm sure you could do I that could. i could i could but i don't have i don't have any uh celebrate brasses or anything oh. i got no pass i just uh didn't plan it right but hey i'm expecting a lot of text messages <laughs> and if laura and i uh, get to do our show the jedi way there on the t- stages will be a lot of fun and hopefully maybe that'll motivate you to fly in like a special guest that could be a lot of fun as well uh but we shall see we shall see but let's get into this episode here in two oh actually let's give a big shout out to carbon health who continues to power and sponsor us into 2023 ladies and gentlemen if you're going on a heist and you get a little injured there fighting off a fanged creature of some kind or a powerful weapon uh, destroys your droid, you can go and get uh, taken care of at CarbonHealth.com. Uh, they've got uh, in-care, uh, in-person care, virtual care. They've also got an app in case you want to look that stuff up. You're more app-centered uh, in your life. You can go and look up their app and find a place near you. They're still testing for COVID. they got all those things going on for you to help you out. So uh, go and check them out today. Would you say uh, if you are more apt to use an app? Wow. Wow. Oh, no, no, right. not wouldn't say that. Okay, You've been working with Shannon for too long. I think it's rubbing off here. It's rubbing off. Um, all right, let's do the general overall thoughts. Mike, we'll start with you. Basically, Wrecker and Omega are in a junkyard. Omega uh, getting a with a compressor. O- Omega stumbles upon this these artifacts that she didn't know that looked like cool to her, but ends up being something that's a compass. Uh, we see um, Fee Genoa, the return of Wanda Sykes here. She kind of encourages the Bad Batch, along with Omega, being like, I want to go, Daddy, I want to go on this adventure to go and find this uh, supposedly legendary treasure, the heart of the mountain. And we find out as they go on this uh, journey here, on this treasure hunting journey, this other planet, they discover this really old war machine that is super, in my opinion, super effing badass that destroys everything in its path, including poor Mel, the droid that we met earlier in the episode. Uh, and by the end, they end up leaving the heart of the mountain. They destroy that war machine and then roll on home. But not before Fee teases Omega with yet another treasure hunting adventure. So, uh, Mike, we got them all back together now, including and then adding Fee to it. They go on a little bit of a journey. They're not going on a mission. This is more for fun, but they get way more than they bargained for. And as I mentioned, a lot of shades of Uncharted, a lot of shades of Raiders of the Lost Ark, Goonies, any treasure hunting thing you want to throw in here. It's all here. Uh, and also the development, a little bit more of Omega being the teenager type thing, encouraging her uncles to go with her on this mission and possibly almost costing them their lives. So your overall thoughts on this episode of Entombed. I think Star Wars does two things really well. And you can do like two different things in a Star Wars episode. You can either have a really great character episode that moves your characters forward in a big way and pushes them forward and gives me new information or you can hit some bigger universe stuff. You can tell me more about the clones, what's happening with them. You can tease the empire, building the Death Star. You can tease, we're gonna tie things back to the old Republic or the high Republic or anything else. This episode chose to do neither of those things, <laughs> really. Um, and so it was fine. It, you know, like we've, we've gotten to the point now where look, Bad Batch, I mean, any, star, any piece of Star Wars animation 
is going to be gorgeous. Yeah. It all looks great. They're at the top of their game. So they want to go to town and do an episode that is like a Raiders, Goonie, Uncharted, like let's just hit all the references. It's great and it's going to look fantastic. And I like all these characters, but it nothing really landed. Nothing really okay. happened. Like it was kind of, and even if, because I've been seeing people online, even if this giant machine was an ancient Sith weapon or an ancient Jedi oh, weapon or the, the weapon that inspired the Death Star, ain't nobody said that in an episode. Nobody told me that. So I can guess about it and we can all like go, oh, maybe it's this. But unless this comes back in a big way to be a bigger part of the season, I was kind of like, all right, cool. What's next? Okay. All right. And, you know, a lot of things they mentioned here, Laura, in this episode, not really connected to any actual lore. It's new mythology that we're getting. The Kaldar Trinary System, Skaranal, this machine, the heart of the mountain. All these things are uh, new things that they presented here in the episode, but none of them necessarily connect officially to anything that's come before. So a little bit of new mythology. Do you think they use this episode? Not only just a little bit of a filler episode. I know that term gets uh, thrown about and maybe not used correctly nowadays, but some of the filler, but also maybe laying the groundwork for some more mythology and the expansion of the Star Wars universe a little bit more for things that are coming. I could see the skeleton crew going into this system possibly down the road. What did you think about this episode and the possibility of that here? You know, I'm all, I'm all for sort of digging into the lore. I like going back in time a little bit and kind of, you know, exploring what happened and what led us to where we are in this sort of Skywalker saga centric era that we ended up in. It's why I like the high Republic so much. Um, I think Michael said it best this for me, this episode was fine. It was mm. it was just fine, you know. There were the Indiana Jones references. Haven't seen it. Sorry, I haven't seen any Indiana Jones movies. The Goonies. Haven't seen it. Apparently, the giant monster was some sort of reminiscent <laughs> of something in Jedi Fallen Order. Haven't seen. It. Haven't played it. I'm not sure what was in this episode for me. Oh, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. So when you is our what? watch? When is our watch party? Let's. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. I mean, is this, is this a thing we do on Twitch or something at some point? I actually I think did maybe. I think we might have to. I think we might I have to. I tried to start Raiders once, and I was like, no, I don't like this. This is the thing that people like for nostalgia, and I don't. I didn't need it. You're literally stabbing Shannon in the heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, Laura, this is gonna be I'm the whole episode so, now. I'm so confused by the words that are that you're saying. They don't. They don't make sense. Yeah. You, <laughs> I burst a bunch of people's bubbles just now. I think. No, How right far <laughs> did you get into Raiders? Like t- t- twenty minutes, maybe. Okay. <laughs> I I think whether whether a, a streaming site is involved, I do think we should watch it. <laughs> we may have I to will think that about up. that. I will I think keep... about that. India, I mean, Harrison Ford's awfully hot in it. So I, he yes. had that going for him. But the rest of it, I was like, mm, and, you know. and I'm not going to lie to you. He is sweaty through most of that movie. So I know. It is, yeah. it is enjoyable to watch. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. <laughs> well, I keep teasing a, uh, a Geek Buddies Patreon. This could be a nice, fun thing to put in motion for people who want to donate at a certain level we shall see shannon mcclung your thoughts overall on this episode entombed episode five of season two well aside from feeling i just got smacked in the face by laura <laughs> um the episode itself so this is kind of my bread and butter this is mm. you know this is high adventure 
Um, one of the things that makes high adventure a lot of fun and, and get your audience involved is specificity. And there is a lack of it. Like you can have, you can throw out a lot of terms. Like this is the treasure of what scar and all, this is the heart yeah. of the mountain, which to me is just a painfully generic name. Um, it, it's just really, it, it, it doesn't hook you at all. And, and I think that like, if, is there a legend behind it? Like you have to give yeah. up, you have to give us more. Um, for us to really be truly invested. And in terms of character stuff, it didn't it didn't really do anything. I think everyone is kind of where they started. Um, and in terms of Fee, like, I love the design of Fee. I love, I mean, I like Wanda Sykes' performance. I don't think they're giving her the best stuff because, again, mm. it's just, she's getting very, very generic dialogue. But I think, you know, she has such a unique voice and she is a really good performer that if you give her something with a little more meat, she'll be able to pull the audience in more. Um, and also just like, I love the fact that I think this is the first time Hunter has referred to her as a pirate. And then yes. that's when I start to notice the bandana on her head, even her weapon, like that power cutlass. Like that is, that's, that is the sword of a buccaneer from way back mm -hmm. when, which I'm like, that is like this, everything looks so great right now, but it was just kind of paper thin in terms of what we got character and story wise. Yeah, this is the first episode of the season where I was like, eh, okay, like the first because I usually I'll I'll um, lean towards enjoying it just because I love Clone Force ninety nine so much. Anytime we get with them, I'm cool to have, but this one felt a little weird, and at times I felt like they kind of undercut some of the character stuff that they had developed with this crew. I mean, they weren't a bunch of bumbling idiots that somehow suffer, uh, you know, found their way through all this nonsense. And when you turn them into a little bit of that because you need to really highlight fees abilities. I think that's a, I think that's a shortcut in writing and a shortcut in thinking. You don't have to do it that way. You know, we just reviewed the last of us and you could have easily turned Ellie into a damsel in distress, but no turning her into a person who has her own thoughts or has her own feelings, reacts to things that are happening still needs to be protected, but still has her own agency. I like that. And so in this situation, I felt like Hunter seemed like he was behind the, behind a few paces the whole film or the whole show rather and he's always been the guy that's kind of aware of stuff that's happening and a little more in tune with stuff so it just felt a little bit weird how they kind of pushed everybody to the back to have fee take center stage which i'm look i'm okay with there's a way to keep re retaining their characters and make it work within the construct of what you've already built and then have a way to elevate fee and not lose anything with those guys but when that war machine came to life, I was dialed in. That was awesome. The last five to eight minutes of the show, I really loved. The power in that thing, the look and the feeling of that thing just really put the hook in me. I loved the design, loved the animation of it all. I did enjoy, you know, that we're looking at the, the writings and all of that. And I wonder if this is a little bit of groundwork being laid here for what Omega is going to do, what Omega is going to lead them to. We shall see. But Fee, in essence, has not been built that much up as a character so to throw her into this episode and have the guys just kind of go along with it just seemed a little weird, uh, especially when they're supposed to be protecting Omega the way they are. So just there were some notes that didn't feel 100% correct for what we'd seen before until that war machine showed up. Then I was like, oh, man, I love it. But Laura, real quick, uh, why do we have to kill another droid? Well, a droid lives matter here. Mel, we hardly <laughs> knew ye. I mean, what was your reaction here to seeing Mel poor Mel running away like this, it just was a shame. My re reaction was visceral. I mean, I like watching the show in a room alone, I am like screaming. <laughs> like, I just, I can't believe that we had to do that. And I, I, I understand the memory is backed up. Fee can rebuild her. Yeah. Great. 
but we've established that in this universe that droids have feelings and i am partial to astromex as as a lot of people know and this was absolutely gut-wrenching to me i don't know why it was necessary i didn't love this episode overall um and that really that that just kind of sealed the deal for me of i will not be rewatching this well when you have when you have a giant war machine that is supposed to be this horrible destructor that can do all this stuff and you need to have some stakes and when you decide to put it on a planet that has already been decimated, that has literally nothing on it, yeah. a war machine going around shooting at nothing doesn't work. So the only thing that was there I guess was poor thing. Mel. <laughs> and then if you're gonna kill a droid, not that I think you should, like I was partial to Mel, but uh, I, if you're gonna kill a droid, give it some level of stakes as opposed to being like, yeah, I backed it up. We'll have Mel in the next episode. It's cool. That's almost like doing something crazy, like saying you killed Chewbacca and then taking it back. Oh, there's a <laughs> Who shot. Who would do that? Who no, would I mean, do something you, like that? You make a good point saying that this they had to lay the ground and put some stakes in it because that was another thing that I kind of thought throughout. I was like, there's just no, there are no stakes in this episode. I just, yeah. I'm not feeling any sense of like emotional attachment to anything outside of Mel. So. Yeah. Yeah. Shan, what'd you think about how they uh, iced Mel for lack of a better term here? And then, (laughs) and then, and then copped out by saying, Oh yeah, I build them all the time. It's no big deal. It reminded me, I can't think of what it reminds me of, but it's something that I, I'm, I'm, it's going to come to me as we go along. It's the, it's the, it's the GI Joe eighties movie where they killed Duke, but then realized they shouldn't. Duke's okay. Remember from off screen. They, they decided in the eighties when Hasbro decided to kill everybody, so they did the Transformers movie, killed yeah. Optimus Prime, traumatized a bunch of kids who like lost their shit and Hasbro like, oh, we shouldn't we shouldn't do that. So then for the GI Joe movie where they had also killed Duke, it was too late to reanimate it. So at the end, they just had somebody off screen go. Duke's okay. <laughs> Mel's fine. We're going to rebuild him. It's cool. Like at this point, you know, we all loved that solitary clone episode. Like that was just so, yeah, so good. You know, the yeah. uh, riot racing was a lot of fun. Sure. Um, you know, we don't really have a sense of what our, our big story is for this season. And, that's not to say that it's it's not going to happen, but if they have 16 episodes and we're almost a third of the way through it, yeah. you hope that they kind of, you know, pick up the pace there. Uh, but Mel being destroyed and then immediately, I'm like, if this does not come back, it's like, yeah. why did you, why did you smash Mel? Like you could have had a more fun resolution with Mel being the savior. I mean, there were so many things you could have done rather than smash Actually, she's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just wasn't the the strongest written episode, in my opinion. This actually seems like a lot of times, like when when Vogel and I are in a room and we're coming up with stories for something, you you do have these cultural touchstones, and it's like, hey, let's do a Raiders episode. Let's let's do a this. Let's do a that. And this seems like they wanted to do their treasure hunt. They wanted to do an Uncharted episode. Yeah. Um, Tomb Raider. They even have Tomb in the title. Um, Good, point. Good point. But they didn't add anything to it. It was just like it is. It is straightforward. Just a treasure hunt, and there's nothing else to it. And usually, when you're when you're using a theme like that, you can find little nuggets to connect to the rest of your season that can really really pay off. And that's just at this point at least that is not what right. happened right yeah does it feel like because it's almost like an, the elf 
337 situation, right? Where they uploaded her into the Falcon. And it's like, oh, she's not dead. We got her. Uh, she's in the Falcon. She's in the Falcon. It just seemed a little weird in that way. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I was like, where where are the stakes in all of this as we're watching this? Because Fee seems unsettled by anything. I like the pirate back and forth. That was interesting. Liberator of this or that. And then when she's grabbing that heart and she doesn't want to let it go, even when they're on yeah. that, uh, when things come to life. And she's like, you guys find some other kill switch. Eventually she does relent and they use it and they destroy it and whatever. And she tells them that she owes them. I'm tired of Clone Force 99 owing everybody who comes into their sphere. I think I'm getting to the point now after a season and five episodes that I want them to kick a little ass and step forward here and be enough with being with being beholden to everybody and break out of this chain because I love them for their ability to kick some ass in Star Wars. So I want to see that come back. And I'm tired of them being sent on missions or owing people or being in depth deficient to other people deficit to other other characters that are coming through here it's a little it's getting to be a little bit frustrating i guess is well it's I'm a little it's a little formulaic i mean that i mean this is what people Fair people enough. who are people who are frustrated with season one this was what they said about it. like i think season one mm. had some movement after a while but yeah. bad bad just has this pacing issue like we really love these characters we love the world it's great we know that there's this bigger thing going on with the Empire yeah. and the burgeoning rebellion, and there's all these things happening, and we're all just kind of like, all right, let's fucking go. But then they're like, so th this week, this week, the Bad Batch has to go check out a treasure hunt on an abandoned planet. Next week, there is a cruise ship that is in need of somebody to be the talent, and you know, and and they have been signed up to play as the band. Little did they know that the you know, like like it's just like you could do it every episode. You can do your riff on every single thing in the history of television. You can send in Clone Force ninety nine. They can do some shit. It's gonna look amazing. They can come out of it, and we can do that. But like, I think we're craving a little bit more. Like, yeah. we just want more to happen, and this show just seems for whatever reason, reticent to push these characters forward. Yeah, yeah. Shannon. The moment that you mentioned cruise ship, I immediately got like the Bad Batch have to go up against Max Rebo. Oh, <laughs> like no. the way that we thought he was ultimately oh, going to no. be the bad guy for the Book of Boba Fett. I was like, we need to meet a young Max Rebo, a, a intergalactic keyboard player who's not going to take any shit. Like <laughs> the Battle like, of the Bands. funny there. <laughs> Tech versus Psy Snoodles. That would be great. <laughs> Oh, Hunter, huh? That's your name? <laughs> um, what about how Fee is handled here? Let's let's address that, uh, and I'll go back to Laura on this. I mean, Wanda, I think Wanda Sykes, you know, did a really good job voiceover-wise. I mean, some there were some levels, some some layers to her that I've not seen in any of her live-action acting that I really enjoyed here in, in her portrayal of Fee. They didn't give her... You know, they give her too much other than being, you know, being unflappable uh, about anything that comes up. But I really enjoyed her character development throughout this episode, even though she, I may admit that what Shannon said is true. They're not giving her too much to play or in terms of to work with. But I think she's bringing some nice levels. Do you like her as a new character in Star Wars? Do you like getting a little bit more from her in this episode? Or is this feeling like a little undercooked for you? 
I like her actually a lot. And I, there was one specific moment in this episode where I kind of decided, like, all right, I, I do like Fee. And I think it was when Omega puts the compass back in the wall and turns it and the tunnel sort of twists mm. so that they can walk on what was the ceiling um, within this, you know, mountain. But when the compass won't come out and Fee tells her, you know, it's it's served its purpose. And now Scar Null has reclaimed it. You know, Fee might be out in the galaxy disturbing the resting place of ancient civilizations for her own amusement and monetary mm. gain, but there also is, like, this level of respect there that I think she has for the treasures that she finds, and I kind of admire that about her. I also really enjoy all the little moments that she has, or these, like, silly little comments that she makes about tech, where she calls them by various nicknames, and I... I hope they keep that going throughout the season because it's one of my favorite parts. I think of the season so far is her little flirtation with tech brown eyes. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chad, what do you think about this, uh, about how fee is constructed here? You know, you've done some voiceover work. What do you think about how, uh, what Wanda Sykes did and how she's being portrayed here and being um, developed uh, in this second season of the bad batch? Well, in terms of uh, voice acting, I don't think Wanda Sykes ever going to play a character that doesn't sound like Wanda Sykes. That's fair. <laughs> it, is, right? it, is, it is always going to be her. But, I mean, I do agree with Laura that that was, that was a nice moment. Hmm. Um, in terms of whether they're taking her as a character, the idea that the Bad Batch have run across a pirate, I think, is such a great... That's such a great setup. Hmm. Um, but they, she's not the most capable. Like, she's smart, and she's like, oh, well, this... This happens here, this happens here, because if she's too smart, then Omega doesn't get to do her thing. So it's sort of like, it, it, it's it's just kind of box checking. And I, I wish they would have, and, and granted, like the, the mountain is uninhabited except for that one creature. Um, I, I wish that they would have given her a, a chance on this swashbuckling adventure to swash some buckles. Like, let her kick some ass a little bit. Like, if you're going to give her a cut, if you're going to put a cutlass in her hand, let her use it. Like, yeah. have have something happen. Like, all of the individual parts of the quest, like the, the ceiling on the floor, like, those are fun. Like, th those, are, yeah. those are fun. Those are imaginative. Yeah. But you have to layer it with more than just the mechanism. There has to be something else behind it that makes it kind of endearing. Like, if she, if, if, this, if this mountain is cursed... You know, I mean, anything just to give it a to make it a little more compelling, because it's literally it was a, it was a level on a video game. Now, I like video games, but part of Uncharted, you know, which is which is, you know, this in, video in, game. In, in our world, it's a video game. Um, part of the reason that makes it so compelling is the the backstory of the MacGuffin they're going after. Right. Um, and just the inner interpersonal dynamics between between our characters. Now, I agree with you, John, like you want to see Clone Force 99 who have been established as badasses. You want to see them be a little more capable in this situation. <laughs> like even though they're not treasure hunters, they're still incredible warriors. So they would have they're, they're not completely on their heels. So you just and I feel like there is an interesting way to to sort of juxtapose the way the Bad Batch does things in this situation and the way that Fee does things in this situation. We don't really get either. They're just kind of following directions. It's a good point. Yeah, Tech is kind of unable to do anything. They get separated, but we don't spend a lot of time with the other team and what they're doing before you reunite them all. So we kind of lose an opportunity there as well. But, Michael, what do you think of how Fee is constructed in this episode? Now, and, and let me throw this out because I didn't ask Laura Shannon this, but is she a possible female kind of guide for her? Like we just talked about 
in our Last of Us review, how Tess is kind of giving information to Ellie to guide her before what happens to Tess. Is this the same kind of thing that maybe they're kind of weaving in a female older figurehead here for Omega to get a new perspective because she's been hanging around with five dudes for a majority of her existence here. Are we throwing in a female figurehead here uh, because Sid ain't going to do the job. So do we think fee might be the thing? Maybe. I mean, look, last week Omega stuck up for Sid this week. Omega was really running around with fee. So maybe I couldn't tell you because fee is not really a character at this point. (laughs) Like I, like I, I think fee has a ton of potential. Yeah. But and I think Wanda Sykes is great. And so I'm all I'm am I on board for Wanda Sykes to play a dubious pirate slash uh treasure hunter in a Star Wars universe? Hundred percent. But in a universe where we've got Hondo Tanaka and Doc Afra, she ain't cutting it right now. Oh, good point. We have way <laughs> we have way better pirates than Feeds in this universe. That are literally exactly what she should be. I mean, I'm not saying Doc Afra should literally be in Bad Batch, but Doc Afra is an awesome female Indiana Jones running around with droids who would kill her before they would get killed. And, you know, you picture someone like Doc Afra in this or you picture Hondo Tanaka double talking and trying to, like, trick the Bad Batch so that he can run away with everything. And you're like, I get what that is. That's great. This, to Shannon's point, it wasn't anything. And I think Shannon hit on something really great, which is the Bad Batch... They're clones from Camino. They're soldiers. They're excellent right. soldiers, but they're soldiers. So them going into a Goonies-style adventure and having Fee step up and being like, look, you guys are teaching this kid how to be a soldier, but there's a lot more to the world than being a soldier. And they're like, look, we're great at what we do. And they're like, okay. And them trying to handle solving the clues the way that they would handle a mission mm. in the Clone Wars and Fee being like, okay, that's a bull in a pine in a, in a china shop. Let's do that. Like there would have been a way to really have all this play out, and just like they did really well in Rebels with Han- with Hondo and Ezra, if Fee had really had an option at the end to make off with that uh, with the heart of the mountain mm. or save Omega, and she chose to save Omega with Hunter. And they bonded over that. Great. Like, you could have given me anything. But right now, Fee's nothing. And I literally just sit there and I'm like, right now, you're not anything. You are the not Hondo, not Doc Afra. So I want to know what you are because right now all I can see is what you're not. We'll be back with the Geek Buddies right after this. Let me ask you this, Laura. Let me swing back to you on this. Um, As I mentioned, none of this stuff, even at the end here, and I'm going to read this correctly, the Kingdom of Elwes, uh, the Ancient Chalice, which I think was a little Holy Grail reference. What do you, I mean, none of this stuff is connected to anything in lore. Do you think it would have helped the episode if some of the stuff were, they were going after was connected to stuff we'd seen before? Um, or do you think this is them laying the groundwork for some stuff that they're going to use in other projects or other um, um, shows down the road or maybe even other episodes down the road of this series? What do you think about how they just had all this stuff being new? Do you think it was a mistake maybe and, and remove the stakes of this episode by not having, not having this stuff connect? Even though they're saying it's pre, it predates the Jedi, predates the Galactic Republic and all of that, did they kind of fumble the ball by not having it be connected to something we might have heard of before? Personally, I kind of think so. I mean, I think you're right. For all we know, it is going to be connected to something that we just haven't seen yet. And they'll they'll bring some of these terms and places that they're referring to back. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that there was an opportunity there to 
I mean, you could even pull in some like legends terms. It doesn't even have to be anything canon. Yeah, if you're just looking for some random object to bring into the fray, I mean, you, there just is so much source material to pull from in Star Wars. I'm not sure why we're just kind of spewing off nonsense at the end of this episode um, about where they're sort of headed next. Um, overall, though, I think the appeal with Fee, and I don't know if it was like, really a purposeful thing of the Bad Batch wanting to sort of pull her in to the fray so that Omega could have like a female not role model because that doesn't feel like the right yeah. word but something like that around I mean, if that was energy, the idea guess, yeah I'm like that is that's backfiring because clearly Hunter is not happy about this there's a, you know they're on the Marauder on their way to whatever planet this is and Omega and Fear are both sitting with their feet kicked up on top of Mel and they both got have their heads their hands behind their head and they're kind of sitting in this similar way and looking very relaxed and you could tell like omega's kind of imitating fee in this really cute way and hunter's in the background like sharpening his knife or something and rolling his eyes and then just kind of huffing and walking out of the room so this is clearly if that was the idea he's not loving it um but i i don't think that was really ever any intention of his i think they kind of got pulled into this adventure and at some point he's gonna be like hey maybe we take a break from fee maybe we don't keep omega around her to be influenced by this because they think right now for omega fee is just kind of this shiny new thing that is not something that she, it's not somebody she knows it's not somebody in the batch and it's not anyone who's trying to kill them so she's just this great new in between sort of unknown i think for omega yeah. and that's what makes her fascinating um but overall i i really am enjoying the character of fee i kind of hope that we get a lot more of her mm. as we can get make her more of a character yeah um the little bit of insight that we get, I think, between at least between her and Tech, is that Tech comes in ready to overanalyze how to open a door, and Fee comes in with just, sometimes a door is just a door, and all you have to do yeah. is lift the handle and go in. And I kind of like that, the contradictory kind of positions that they're in, while she's also sort of flirting with him. It just it yeah, brings it, a little something extra to this show for me. That's good. It's a great point, actually, Laura, because, yeah, Tech is the one that initially is, like, hesitant or resistant to her and and her idea of going on this mission and then when he analyzes the crystals he's the one that says he might have something here she might have been right all along so uh, kind of softening that interaction between both of them as well um what do you think mike uh, did, did they fumble the ball not having these artifacts and these things connected to something in the lore already or just well, kind of you just got to trust that they're going to build out from this for something down the road I don't. I, I want to be careful because I don't think like I, I, Star Wars is so self-referential that it, they can get a little carried away with it sometimes. Sure, sure. But I think it needs to be one. Or, I mean, I think this episode is the perfect example of it. Has to be something. Mm -hmm. And if you had, I mean, bad example. But if they had unearthed this thing and had done this whole thing and it had and a bunch of shit went down and they thought they had gotten rid of it and they left, and then fucking you know, Palpy shows up in his uh, Sith Raider and walks off and says, oh, the device I've been looking for, ha ha ha. Whatever, great, okay, well then this is gonna be a bigger thing. So it can be a brand new thing if I feel like it's going somewhere. But this giant, awesomely designed machine yeah. doesn't really feel like it's new something. Like it does, like like unless like they tell Rex when he reaches out to them, we found this big device, and then they rebuild the device and they use it in the thing and to do the thing and the thing and the thing. Then great, but it just doesn't seem like it's that. So this just seems like it was a one-off adventure. So if we get to the end of the season and it turns off and it turns out to be new stuff 
yeah. or the origin of it becomes important for some reason, then like I'll totally eat my words and be like, all right, that episode was necessary. You kind of needed it. I think it could have been done better. But in the absence of that, if you just want to do a fun, we're going to go on an adventure episode, then tell me that's an, that it's an ancient Sith weapon in the Jedi Sith Wars. Yeah. Or if you're a High Republic nerd, tell me that the path of the open hand hid away a bunch of Force-sensitive objects, and that's what they're looking for, and then every fucking High Republic nerd is going to be, oh, path of the open hand, they talked about it. Like, it could okay. be, there's, yeah, that was, that was Laura, that was Laura, that was Laura. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, so there's so much information that's in all, like, whether it be Legend stuff, Old Republic stuff, High Republic yeah. stuff, or tying it into more Jedi Sith war information that we don't know about. Yeah. There's just so many things you could have chosen. So it just really feels like it was neither one or the other. It's not a new thing that's going to be important. And it's not an old thing that's a really fun Easter egg. It's just a thing. Like a, an object that was cool looking that we will never probably know more about. Yeah. I don't know. Shannon, your thoughts on this? I mean, you're you you know you've written a number of things that explore in the vein of Indiana Jones, and uh, you kind of get off on these kind. Of, you really enjoy writing about these kinds. Of, did you think they fumbled the ball in not having it's a these? Real, tra- uh, it's a real turn on for you, buddy, isn't it? <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> you like to write this kind of stuff, so I'm just. Do you think that they they kind of missed the this missed the boat by not having these artifacts connected to even even the story she tells. Omega, when they're sitting there with their feet up, as Laura mentioned, um, doesn't really connect to anything we've seen before. So do you think they just kind of fumble the ball, laying all this new mythology out, but not having connect at least one of them connect to something we might have seen before or heard before or a period of time we've seen before in Star Wars? I wouldn't even say they're laying out mythology. They're just she's just, throw, she's just saying words. I mean, like the, the chalice <laughs> okay. of this. It's just like I don't think we're gonna get a series of fee adventures where she's going to, you know, reclaim the grand pearl of whatever when she was talking to, you know, Norm at, at the beginning of the episode. I think it's just words. Um, <laughs> and and again, they're, they're very they're very generic. Like the grand pearl, the heart of the mountain, yeah. the chalice. Like it's just to me, it's not that exciting. Like if it was like the the chalice of Darth Bane. I mean. You know something I, I, I like like i would i would hesitate to use something um that they want to use down the road because it didn't feel like this was setting up a bunch um when they brought in that 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 thing at the end that big weapon yeah that is it was such a cool design and it was very very unique and it's like god that's great I hope you get to use it. Oh, nope, it blew up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I was mad about that. Because I, I love that thing. And I'm like, wait, why are you killing it? Yeah. I was like, what a great thing to to you know try to 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 try to incorporate later into your season, but it doesn't feel like that's gonna happen. So I mean, I don't think I don't know what throwing out a legends artifact gets you because again, it doesn't feel like Fee, we're going on a bunch of adventures with Fee. I think she right. might she might pop up. But but ultimately, I think she is she is a, a character to give uh, Omega a different point of view, hmm. um, and and I think we'll probably maybe see one or two more of those where that could eventually lead to Omega possibly leaving the Bad Batch to go off on her own adventures. Um, so yeah, just across the board, I feel like they didn't they this one j- as an episode, I feel like this just feels a little uh, undercooked. Okay, Mike, you want to chime in on here? Anything yeah, well, it, as, just by way of a good example of what they could have done is when you think back to Clone Wars, 
to that to that episode arc where uh, Ahsoka, Anakin, and uh, and Obi Wan went to the planet and met the father and the daughter and oh, yeah. the son. Right. Sure. And Obi-Wan. and like sure, it's tied to the Force, so peripherally it's tied to something. But this was all new news. Like this was all just like some crazy shit, and it got weird, and it was crazy. But it was so specific to Shannon's point, and it was so like. They had some shit to say about the Force, and they wanted to get into it and really like get into the nitty gritty. That now the father, the son, and the daughter pop up all over Star Wars. Like that shit is all over because it was something that was so cool and it was contextualized, so we could use it. So even if this had just, and again, I'm not saying that this is what it has to be, but just given the fact that the way it's shot kind of was giving me Death Star vibes, I was like, okay, so let's just say this is an ancient Sith weapon. I know it didn't shoot red, but let's just say it's an ancient Sith weapon. Even just saying that, and that like that would have been enough to go, okay, so the Sith had these epic weapons, and you start, like, but to Shannon's point, everything was sort of so general that I was like, oh, okay, cool, looks neat. Yeah, yeah. Kill the droid. Yeah. Yeah, because even at the end when they're walking to the Marauder, they're like, oh, yeah, well, I guess Omega's like, oh, so it was a good thing that we came. So there, there's no big deal that all this stuff happened. The stakes were fine. It wasn't, you know, we nothing, there's no real consequence to what we she did. Basically, Omega basically left and said, well, I'm really glad that nothing in this episode mattered. Let's go back and play some games. <laughs> glad yeah, you can rebuild like, your droid. I guess we can pretend that episode four never happened. I wonder if Sid has another mission for us. Yeah. And she's exactly. Like, you think that didn't matter? I've got another mission that doesn't matter. We can go. <laughs> That's a very real I've got a medallion that is not going to knock your socks off. <laughs> Oh, well, anyway, I don't know what more we can say. I think we've talked about it. Anything more that you guys want to add? Any final words before we wrap up here on this review? Okay. I, 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 well, no, I just, it I just, like, it looked like that was a prep. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, um, I think that I really want them to pick up a bigger story. I think, yes. I think why everybody loved, why everybody loved episode three so much is because it was a deeply personal story about Crosshair. Like it, he's he is so isolated. He is so alone. He has made this choice because he is just a soldier through and through, and thinks he's doing the right thing. And clones all around him are going awol, which is brand new information that we never had. Like we thought that Order sixty six happened, and clones were like, "All right, well, I guess I'm going to follow these orders now." And it's not. These clones are traumatized. They were like they they were they were cloned and designed to be amazing soldiers who did the right thing. And were put in a position by Palpatine where they had to do something that was truly horrible. Yeah. And now they're in the Empire and they're not able to function. They, they're they're leaving. This is all brand new information and it's so interesting. So that episode is like, you are pushing the Star Wars universe forward. You're pushing the story of clones forward. And you're giving me something really interesting about Crosshair. And you're giving me a really interesting Cody story. So like you're ticking every Star Wars box that you can. And then to Shannon's point, then we had the tech episode, and it doesn't really push anything forward, but it gives us some really funny characters, and it's a really fun tech story. So you sort of give it a pass that you're like, all right, it's not like epic mythology, but boy, that was a lot of fun. And this one didn't kind of do either. So I'm really hoping that when we get to next week, I think they really got to get into whatever this main story for season two is and like dive into the meat of it. 
Agreed. Uh, Laura Shannon, any final words before we wrap up here? Uh, to add to that, I mean, Michael mentioned something that people got impatient with the formula in season one of like it became kind of a mission of the week type of show. And people did the same thing with The Mandalorian, too. And, you know, in season one of this show, there was this sort of constant concern that the people who were after Omega were going to hunt, were going to hunt our heroes down. And I think that extra layer of tension is what we're missing in this season. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that that bigger purpose gets, gets revealed here soon, because as it is, I'm, I'm kind of just not caring about what's happening right yeah. now in this season. Fair enough. Yeah. After that episode three, I'm kind of in that boat as well, where I'm veering towards the not caring aspect of it all. Get me back in, Shannon. You, what would you want to say? Final thoughts? I mean, we're missing our antagonist. I yeah. mean, you've, you've set Rampart up as this really, really cool character who's slightly corrupt. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. This is a guy that will fudge reports. This is this is a self-serving individual. Yeah um and he's just gone <laughs> so they're just kind of it it this has been a a few episodes of just side quests yeah and you know we want to get back to that main get back to that main story give them something to fight against like even if it's not rampart himself i mean you have you have to give them an opponent because right now it's just they're just searching for stuff and yeah. you know it's just not fit in the bill at this point yeah i'd hate to think that they gave us the crosshair episode and we're like okay we're gonna we went a little too dark there let's let's have some fun throwaway episodes for a couple episodes and then we'll get back i'd hate to think we can handle it we can handle it we can all handle it we can deal with it stay in a little bit of the darkness for a little bit longer you can still balance out the light as it goes along but these kind of throwaway frivolous stuff one is okay two in a row i'm just like mm, yeah i feel the same way it's just kind of and it's not even really it's not even really just about dark and light i mean like i i love a dark episode like i think that episode is most people's favorite episode of the season yeah but so far yeah. you can also have a super fun thrilling over the top silly episode that moves the mythology forward and moves the story forward and moves character forward and has real moments like you can have a rip-roaring adventure but it's a rip-roaring adventure that like it's all about echo and hunter arguing about what they need to do and echo pointing out to hunter that they need to join up and you get rex like even like uh in clone wars when we first see the clones again when we see rex and the others for the first time after so long that episode's not a particularly dark episode yeah it but it's hella fun so you can have those too. It's not just, I want it to be dark, 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 although I'm super happy for it to be, yeah. but I just want story. Good point. Dark or light, story. That's what's important. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, there we go. That's our spoiler review here for episode five of uh, the second season of Bad Batch Entombed. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Uh, Mikey? Um, if you like droids and you want to see more justice for droids, then you are our <laughs> kind of people. Uh, and here's what you can do so that we can continue to talk about hashtag droid rights. Uh, hit that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, check out all the content he's got there, leave your comments below. Uh, did you love this episode? Tell us what you loved about it. Like, tell us why we are wrong or what we are missing about it. Did you agree with us? Where do you want season two to go? What are you liking? What are you not liking? Let us know in the comments below. If you are listening to us on a podcast, leave us some comments, leave us some stars, helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. 
Absolutely. And of course, big shout out to Laura Kelly, who has joined us for these reviews. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining us again this week. Please let people know what you got going on. Yes, thank you so much for having me back. My, If you guys want to follow me on Twitter, I often talk and tweet about Star Wars at ShutUp underscore Laura. The show that I host with my friend Alice is called Force Toast to Star Wars Happy Hour. On our most recent episode, we broke down the Mandalorian trailer and we talked about uh, the Bad Batch episodes three and four. So you can find that on Twitter and Instagram at Force Toast Pod. There you go. Uh, and as for me, you can always follow... Oh, we already said where you can follow me. Never mind. Uh, done and done. Uh, and we'll be back with some new episodes of Jedi Way going forward but when we're seeing lore every week you know we got to find those uh, topics to talk about right now star wars is chilling but certainly stuff's going to start coming up as we get closer and closer to celebration and we'll be talking about that stuff so look for that as well for the jedi way all right uh, and big shout out to carbon health for continuing to power and sponsor us here on the geek buddies we appreciate them madly head on over there tell them the geek buddies sent you carbonhealth.com go get checked out virtually or in person today. Don't be that stupid guy who says, ah, I don't need the doctor. And then, oh my God, I've got some serious shit. Go get checked out. You never know what can happen. Or do it virtually. Or do or get the app if you want to be. Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. If you want to be old. There you go. Go get the app. We've got the Carbon Health app for you that'll help you get 100 plus locations all over the country, 80 plus locations in California alone. All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time with hopefully a better episode that we can break down here from the Bad Batch on the Geek Buddies and Laura Kelly. <gasps> Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.